yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. You know, you think you get to know someone. And you think you get to know their personality and what they're about. And then one morning you wake up and you come into the EVCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. And that person's changed. It's different. All of a sudden, the producer extraordinaire, Dawson Iserlo, as you know him, you love him. He's become part of your family. And you're like, hey, that guy is young, fit, intelligent, wears glasses. It's part of his identity. And then all of a sudden, fine people of Southwest Louisiana, guess who doesn't have to wear his glasses anymore? The man has decided to switch over to contacts. I don't know if I can handle this much change so early in our relationship, Dawson. It's it's not... A switch. I've always had contacts. I, I choose not to wear them on most days. Um, there was a stretch in my life where I wore them every day. Uh, it just mostly becomes a, a matter of if I feel like I have any physical activity that I need to not wear glasses for that day. And today I just decided to wear contacts. It's 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 not really part of the identity. It's just I don't know. Do you think Kevin Foote will notice that you're not wearing your glasses? I don't think so. No. <laughs> if he notices, I don't think he'll say anything. Or he'll be too upset about the Astros getting shut out again. <laughs> yeah, well, they were due to score runs yesterday, but they didn't because this mythical creature didn't come through for him. <laughs> Gotta pay the piper. Gotta pay the piper, cat. It's Thursday. Is this correct? Last I checked. Yeah, okay. So, uh, <laughs> I'm a little on the struggle bus this morning. Went over to Lake Charles last night for the McNeese Coaches Show and then stuck around for McNeese Baseball. And uh, they were delayed because the game before it had been stopped because of rain and lightning. So we didn't get first pitch in until 8 o'clock. So I was able to stay for some of it and then tried to stay up for the remainder of it as it went to 14 innings. Or as I said in the group text around midnight, uh, I'm checking out. <laughs> I can't stay up any longer. So the non-glasses wearing Dawson Iserlo will have to carry the show today. He's going to rise to the occasion, not to worry. Maybe the guy that doesn't wear glasses, this version of Dawson, is going to be different on the air. Is that a possibility? Do I need no, to go embrace myself this, for this? This bit doesn't work well without... Someone watching. Well, even the simulcast, the camera doesn't even have the right angle, so um, no one knows if you're just making all this up anyway. So, we'll just... oh, I am not making this up, and I will put. But again, it's not a. I don't know. It. It's not a. It's not a. I mean, this. I've worn contacts, but you, hundreds of days in my life. You yes, hundreds of days in your life. You're correct, but this is the first day that you've worn them here. I'm not sure. I think there's been a day or two. Oh, I think. I think you're making this up. So, 
I don't wear contacts because I don't like the whole process of trying to put the lens on the eyeball. Like you just, I, I just can't do it. So I just always wear glasses. I have worn glasses for as far back as I can remember since in my early 20s. So a lot of people can't go back and forth, but you can. It's not, it's not a problem for you to switch up your eye. You know, it's not a problem for you to do that. To switch up from wearing glasses, then all of a sudden have to wear contacts because I don't your eyes do have to per- adjust. No, they don't adjust at all. It, I don't understand the problem it could create. It's it's the same prescription lens. It's just on your eye or in front of your eye. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I see. <laughs> I see. I mean, I know a lot of people, and they either wear contacts or they don't. I think that's more routine-based than anything. I mean. So why did you feel like you needed to mix up your routine, bud? Well, I'm I'm. I might play golf today, so oh, I just so you don't wear your glasses when you play golf. You go contacts when you when, well, you're, when you're hitting it up. If 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 the scenarios, you know, sometimes I forget, and, and you know, other times, but yeah, because then I, I want to wear sunglasses. Okay, then, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. All right, I say I'm picking up. I'm just trying to get to know you a little bit more. I'm trying to have the people get to know you. No, a little and bit I'm more, sure Dawson. that's what everyone wanted to hear at six oh four. It's that hard hitting <laughs> sports talk to lead off the show. I mean, look, you'll have your time for all your analytics and all that other kind of stuff. You'll somehow find a way to fold in Florida State into the show. That'll be later, okay? This is my time to shine before I crash and literally pass out on the desk and you have to host the show by yourself. Yeah, I didn't get a ton of sleep either. The Cajuns were uh, were playing they played after late dark. Well. but um, Yes, they did. They played well, so that was good. We talked about how difficult it is to beat a team Four times, right? Cajuns did not agree. They did not agree. They were, what, 2017 New Orleans Saints who said, we have no problems beating the Panthers three times this season. And what a performance. Like, like, that's how you start off your conference tournament is not only was it a win, which is the only thing that really matters, but it was a convincing, sound victory for Matt Dex's team. It's a great way of opening up conference play. It was a statement game by them because Texas State, even though they swept them, Dawson, just a few weeks, like that's a really good ball club with an RPI around the 50s that's trying their best to be one of those teams that's going to try to get in to get an at-large berth for an NCAA regional. Yeah, and for what it's worth, Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball said that uh, that game pushed the Cajuns in front of Texas State in his mind, if anything were to come down to those two. Um, now having the 4-0 record and the RPIs being comparable enough so that, um, you know, again, I don't know if that's going to matter regardless. I still think you have to win this whole thing. But that is a feather in the cap, and if it, it were to come down to some weird sort of tiebreaker, I guess maybe if Texas State makes a run back and gets to you in the, in the semifinals, you'd, you'd have that to fall back on. But um, yeah, they played outstanding. They and they had the two timely hits. It was really just two of them. I mean, that's it's John Taylor's three run homer and it's Julian Brock's three run uh, two run double with a yeah. runner thrown at the plate who looked surely safe on the replay. And broadcasters thought he was. I thought he was, but they ruled him out. Um, those two hits. Now Texas State had a couple opportunities, but that's mostly because Jackson Nezu continues to have a bit of issues uh, avoiding walks and stuff like that. But to his credit, he got out of every jam he put himself in. The Cajuns gave up one hit as a pitching staff in this game to, again, one of the better offenses in the conference. So, I mean, that's really what you wanted. Now, Matt Deggs did what 
we have seen him do, and that's go to your best bullets out of the bullpen right away. He went to Cooper Rawls, who had a little bit of struggles, but then got a couple of huge double play balls. Bases yeah. loaded, no outs. He gives up one run. Um, and they found a way to get around that. So you use Rawls, but Rawls will be available again in a couple of days. Uh, he won't be available today against Coastal, but you have everyone else available outside of Rawls and Nezu. So you'd expect to see Fluno start, and if he is anything what he's been in the past couple of weeks, that puts you in a good situation. Coastal battled to the very end, got a hard-fought 5-4 win over Georgia State. So uh, they used a freshman. I hear Coastal's down a couple of pitchers. I don't know if they're, what their availability is for tonight's game, um, but they went to a freshman yesterday who actually gave them an outstanding start. So it's an interesting uh, situation on this side of the bracket. On the other side in the Sun Belt, Southern Miss was dominant with Tanner Hall, who just continues to shut down everybody. He's so good. Um, so they will be in a winner's bracket game today as well, But and they'll face Troy, who beat James Madison in dramatic fashion, but... Exciting first day, uh, of first full day of Sunbelt Conference tournament play. But the Cajuns are in as good a spot as you could like to be in here in the winner's bracket with a chance to uh, move forward again. And they got in trouble early with the walks right in the very first inning. Right, And Texas State had a great opportunity to kind of set the tone for themselves. And the Cajuns were able to get out of it. And you mentioned how Cooper came in late, got a little trouble, but was able to get out of it. We talked about numerous times how the experience that this team has of being in this conference tournament last year, winning it all, matters. It, it does, and I thought you saw that yesterday. And, and Yes, they dropped two or three to Coastal during the regular se- uh, season. They could have easily won that series. And... They could easily win tonight. Like, and I know some Cajun fans are like, oh, we don't have a chance. Well, I heard the same stuff last year when they didn't, no one thought they had a chance either. And what did they do? They beat the three best teams in the conference and won the conference tournament. I'm not saying they're going to do that. But this built-in kind of negativity about what this team can or cannot do is a little foolish to me because we say it all the time, Dawson. It's what? It's baseball. And if you get hot at the right time, that's all that matters. And any team can beat any team on any given day. Coastal may be the top seed in the tournament. They're your regular season champs. But it's not going to surprise you if... Matt Deggs' team gets the win tonight, will it? No, it would not. But some Cajun fans have this built-in negativity, and I'm just like, guys, this is baseball. (laughs) Like, no one thought the Cajuns were going to win the conference tournament last year, and they did. And there's nothing suggesting that they can't do it again this year. Is it going to be difficult? Yes. But here's the thing. It's difficult, immensely difficult and challenging and daunting to win any conference tournament. It's hard to win baseball games, period. It's not easy. It's not. Guess what? It never has been. Guess what? It never will be. It's not how it works. I did love the fact that they only gave up the one hit. You only used two pitchers in last night's game 
So you save the rest of your staff. And as you mentioned, you bring back Cooper, what, probably tomorrow? Because you only used him for a few innings, right? Yeah, maybe you might give him two days. But either way, you'll, you'll use him again in this tournament. And Coastal's, you know, top closer, Teddy Sharkey, who's really by far their best option of the bullpen through two innings last night. So Ooh. I would expect he wouldn't be available. I don't know exactly how many pitches he threw. Maybe they'll bring him back again. Uh, I don't know how Coastal feels about that. But, uh, yeah, and Coastal, again, Coastal's pitching situation is a little muddy, and I'm trying to figure out exactly what's going on if those guys were ruled out. But I heard it briefly mentioned on the broadcast that they weren't able to use either of their top two starters. So they went to a freshman in Liam Doyle who – to his credit, threw an outstanding game against Georgia State and helped them get into the winner's bracket. But tonight's game, I mean, this is this is the one. Because if you, if you put yourself in this situation and win this one, then you've got two chances at whoever comes back out of the loser's bracket. So Now, is it set up, uh, it, trying to keep track of all the conference tournaments and their formats is challenging? Yeah, it's, it's essentially like a regional on both sides here. So, but do they get Friday off if they win tonight? Do they have Friday off? Oh, let's like see uh, like it would like it is in the SEC. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you do because you're going to have uh, essentially you're going to have a full elimination day. Um, now they can sometimes again kind of choose to separate things as they choose, and of course rain if it comes into play. Which it looked the forecast looked good. We've seen a little bit of rain in Hoover, um, but so yeah, if they win today, they will have Friday off, and they would come back Saturday at twelve thirty. Um, there's still the winner's bracket game on the or the yeah the win well the 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 championship game so to speak of the other side of the bracket is at 9 a.m. on Saturday so tough break for them they have to play Ugh. very important games very early in the morning that's that's not that's not optimal Dilo it's not optimal what is optimal we already got the poll question of the day up and running for you. Look, it was an interesting first full day of conference baseball tournaments for all of our teams. Obviously, McNeese started a day earlier because they were in the single elimination portion. But LSU, they played early in the morning. They got the win. Surprising pitching performance by them is exactly what you were looking for if you're LSU. The Cajuns pitching was really good yes, last night as they took down Texas State and Montgomery. And McNeese, they battled with the number one seed, had some golden opportunities to win that ball game, including multiple times in extra innings, but were unable to bring in the runners. To be fair, Nichols struggled with bringing in the runners as well. But our poll question of the day, what impressed you about day one of the conference baseball tournaments? Was it LSU's pitching? Was it the Cajuns pitching? Was it McNeese battling? Or was it other? Go vote on that. Go vote. Leave your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll make sure to share it throughout today's show. Early votes, though, 58% of you say Cajuns pitching. 42% say LSU's pitching. Ton with the early comment. My man's ready to go. No one's surprised that McNeese battled hard. LSU pitching was nice, but Cajuns pitching was phenomenal. Keep voting. Keep leaving your comments. Come back here on RP3 and Company. We'll hear from the Cajuns following their victory against Texas State. That's all next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I thought we played a great game. It was uh, very balanced. Uh, Nezer did his thing. He's done it every time out for a while now. Uh, he was really, really good. Uh, Danny's zone was tight, but he was consistent with it, and so his misses were very competitive. They were just on the edges, but it cost him some pitch count stuff and, and uh, a couple of walks, a couple of hit batters, uh, but the stuff was crisp. It was firm. And uh, he was able to locate three pitches uh, when he absolutely needed to tonight. I thought we played great defense. I didn't realize we had no hitter going uh, until I made the pitching change. I was just so focused on Jackson and the game. That's Raging Cajun skipper Matt Deggs talking about the victory. I love that he didn't even realize there was a no hitter going. And a lot of people roll their eyes. How do you not know it's not going? Because so many of these skippers, so many of these guys are so locked into the game that they really don't know that it's going on. Well, and there was a ton of base runners early, so it didn't feel like a no-hitter. I was very surprised to look up, I think, fourth or fifth inning when I even realized it. Correct. They were locked in. They got great contributions across the board. And, you know, we talked about it to open up the show. You know, the pitching was on point. Absolutely. And they got great performances there. But John Taylor was huge in this game for uh, for the Cajuns. And Matt Deggs talked about how big his home run was. It was big. It was like bursting a balloon, right? Anytime you're in a tournament, it could be a conference tournament, it could be a regional, it could be a super. It's kind of like starting a year over again, right? So you want to get that big score. You want to get that big hit. And it kind of just – Let's the air out a little bit, and everybody can relax. And everybody saw the way Nezu was swinging or uh, pitching, and, and their swings against him. And when that happened, we felt pretty good about it. And I'll add that John Taylor did not look comfortable early in this game. The Cajuns had a lot of bad swings against Levi Wells. I thought they actually looked a lot more uncomfortable than they did when they played him at Cajun uh, or Russo Park a couple of weeks back. Um, so for Taylor to kind of make that adjustment mid-game, and this is a two-strike, two-out home run that he yeah. hit as well. So, yes. I mean, that just kind of goes to show you there were a lot of swings and misses from the Cajuns, both teams really. And, um, you know, interesting too. As the week goes on, typically the pitching starts to go at a decline in these types of tournaments. But That's correct. day one, you're not entirely surprised to see some really good pitching performances, and you saw one from the Cajuns. I mean, I thought Levi Wells was pretty good as well, uh, all things considered. And then, of course, I already mentioned around the tournament, you had some other standout efforts. So um, that uh, I just thought that at bat from John Taylor was just huge, and it, and it perfectly hit the little, uh, you know, that ballpark in Montgomery's got a little rounded out section of the fence, little uh, balcony type situation, and it literally just made it into that balcony area. Uh, so that was uh, just a huge swing of the bat, and Julian Brock followed it up later on in the game with one of his own. You're right. You looked at it a little bit earlier because I was watching on my phone while we waited for the game to start over in Lake Charles. And I was like, there's some ugly cuts. Right, there's some ugly cuts. But they made the adjustments, which is huge. And Matt Deggs talked about how important it was for his team to go out there and win the first game for them 
in the conference tournament. It's more important to get the first win. To me, the first win in a tournament's the most important game, right? Game, and we've won a lot of these. Thank you, Lori. He's blessed us won a lot of tournaments. And the formula I always talk to our team about is you do whatever it takes to win the first one. I don't care if you got to use everybody on the ball club. Uh, and then the second game, that's that money game. Because if you get that one, somebody's got to now beat you twice. And, but the, it's the first one. Uh, we're just not built right now to put ourselves that far behind the eight ball uh, from a pitching side of things. We would take a bunch of heroes. So I knew how big this first game is, and those guys are no dummies. They knew too. And uh, so there was a little pressure, but like you said, when Big John hit that home run, it was everybody kind of let their hair down. And and that's exactly why you saw him go straight to Cooper Rawls without hesitation, even with a five-run lead, and not consider pulling him, saving him. Uh, this is a coach who's not who wasn't about to let the first one get away, and I think that kind of speaks to where they are as a team now. Interesting thing is, again, Cooper worked himself into a bases loaded, no outs jam, but he has that trust in him. Rolls a double play ball, gives up just the one run, and then gets out of it right away. So, I mean, just what a season that Cooper put together as well. Uh, it's amazing what he's been able to do in the role that they've put him in, and and the fact that he still has so much flexibility. Right, he's so versatile. So many guys get locked in; they can't do what he's done. Right, a lot of guys can't handle being having their role adjusted and changed. They just can't. And he's been able to do, and that's been a big reason why they've been able to finish the end of the season strong. And he's had a tremendous season from start to finish. Now, a win sets up a matchup with Coastal Carolina, the top seed, your regular season champ. And that game will be tonight, tentatively scheduled for 7.30. We'll see. Right? Hey, give them credit, though. The Sunbelt Conference had an extra inning game to start the day, which is just the worst nightmare in the world. There's just, <laughs> it's so you bad. You wouldn't wish, wish it on your worst enemy it's for an so extra bad. inning game at 9 a.m. to take place. But you oh, were behind, man. but Tanner Hall from Southern Miss helped you out by tossing a gem, it's kind true. of speeding things up. And they only missed the starting time by about 40 minutes, which I think... Thought you know, I thought it was a good effort by the conference and uh, by the teams associated with the conference, thinking of us and doing their best to get things going. Thinking of us, yeah, I know they had us <laughs> at the front of their minds. They love it. They took. They, I know the Sunbelt Conference probably loves tuning into RP3 and Company, but <laughs> I have hope. Like again, we need a couple. Well, and the problem is, the later you go into this thing, that's when you really start with the pitching. As I just mentioned, we'll see. I don't. I don't know if they're starting at seven thirty, but there's hope. We're going to be hopeful. That's the tone we try to set here on RP. It's 629 in the morning. I can't give up on the day yet. I can't give up on the <laughs> Let's day. Let's hope yet. not. Because you and I will be having a separate conversation off the air. If 630, your day's already done. Ruined. Taking on the Chanticleers, a.k.a. the Angry Sea Roosters, and Matt Deggs spoke on what was going to be key for that marquee matchup tonight over in Montgomery. You've got to navigate their lineup, and uh, it's, you know, pound for pound the best in the league, and uh, put them in, and, you know, there's, there's a few really talented lineups in our league, and uh, Coastal one and, and USM's another. Uh, you know, I think we have a very dynamic lineup. I'm not going to talk about us, uh, but you've got to be able to navigate their lineup, and you've got to limit freebies. and. You know, you've got to continue to defend it, which we've done at a record-breaking pace all year. 
Uh, I think we filled a 982 on a year and may have gone up tonight, I don't know. But uh, that that's the key. You know, we had three great games against them. And the first one we got after them, the second one they got after us, and then the third one we had a, we had a lead with two outs in the ninth. We had a one-run lead. and. Uh, Lucky uh, jumped on a fastball and was able to run it out of the ballpark the other way, and they tied it up. And then we had to try to beat Sharky, and which y'all saw today how good he is. And uh, Rocco, I think that was it. Rocco ran him out of the ballpark, and Brown goes over the fence and brings it back. He robs it. I mean, it was a heck of a series, just like this uh, Southern Miss series we just had. So there's some. You know, they keep announcing it here, but it's true. This league is a really, really good league this year. And I think it's just going to keep getting better and better and better. Uh, you know, I've heard them announce everybody's, you know, in the top uh, 50 or 100, you know, RPI. And, and uh, that's that's a rarefied error, man. That's, that's uh, there, I bet, you know, that you would have to go into some Power 5 conferences to find tournaments where it's that way. And so... My point is, you got to navigate the lineup. You can't give freebies, and we got to battle our butts off at the plate because that's a hey, that's an Omaha type team over there. I promise you. Everything he said is true. Like as as great of a performance as they put forth last night, Dawson, they're going to have to be just as equally as amazing tonight to beat a very good Coastal Carolina team. I mean, we're talking about a Coastal team that's. Definitely going to host a regional. Probably no matter what happens here at the conference tournament. Yeah, I mean, the only caveat there would be if, if the committee chooses Southern Miss over them and, and only wants to give mm-hmm. one spot to a Sunbelt team. But other, they have a very good chance. So they're going to have to bring their best and take down a very good Coastal team. But once again, Coastal's a little banged up. We're not really for sure what they're going to do with their pitching staff. They used one of their best relievers, as Dawson said, last night. Their best reliever, not even one. The clear cut. They're, I don't want to say their only reliever, but like by far their best option in the bullpen. There you go. So could be an advantage for the Raging Cajuns. Got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll dive into LSU. They played early in the morning. And they got, wait for it, Solid pitching from Thatcher Hurd? What? Wait, what? Yes. And it was key for them to get a victory as they opened up SEC tournament with the win. We'll talk about that and hear from Jay Johnson. That's all next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It was a good. It was a good day from the mound. And again, those guys don't have to be perfect. Uh, we have the, you know, in my opinion, we have the best offense in the country, and it's been wire to wire. Um, we were up on the ESPN deal, and they threw up a graphic of how many times we've scored ten runs. And you think about doing that, playing an SEC schedule, it's it's pretty remarkable, and just speaks to the group of position players that we have and their consistency and taking really good at bats. 
So really, it's just about execution from the mound. You know, we've had a couple really tough games that, you know, really stand out, you know, in terms of uh, struggles at the back end of the game or, or giving up leads and those types of things. But I think if you look at the totality of it, you know, today's not a surprise. I mean, he threw five shutout innings at Texas. Um, he's had really good starts along the way. I don't remember who we were playing. It was like Samford or Butler. He looked like a major leaguer that night um, last Friday or Thursday, excuse me, against Georgia, executed at a, a really high level. Um, and so that I have a lot of confidence in him, and that's why we've continued to pitch him. And with Nate, I mean, you know, we didn't have him for a while. Um, I think he's pitched in all the games he's pitched in, we've only lost one time when he's pitched. And so he's a key part of this staff, and I was really proud of him uh, and how he executed today. I'd be really proud of him too because LSU – got exactly what they needed. The bullpen has not been good. Just checking my notes, Dawson. They have not been good. Thatcher Hurd has not been good. And yet, Jay Johnson, to open up the SEC tournament against South Carolina yesterday morning, makes the decision, hey, we put you out there as a starter early in the season. It didn't work. But I don't want to use my ace on the first day of the tournament. I want to save him. So guess what, guys? Somebody's going to have to step up. And Thatcher was magnificent, especially early on. Now, I got a little away from him there, right, (laughs) towards the end. And LSU's bullpen made things slightly interesting with walking in batters to South Carolina, but Thatcher was really good. He didn't allow a single run in his first four innings of work. He did run in some issues there in the final inning, but he battled through five in a third inning and helped set the tone for the Tigers in this one. Obviously, LSU's bats wasted no time, right? Braden Jobert, two-run blast, did put LSU up early. Gamecocks were able to answer with a single run in the fifth, but the bottom half of the inning saw LSU break open things. And they got the job done. And LSU got 16 outs from a starting pitcher not named Paul Skeens or Ty Floyd. That's huge. That's huge. Because now I keep hearing rumblings. We're not... We believe Skeens is going to pitch today, or to, uh, this afternoon, rather. But if you're Jay, now you have flexibility, right? Now you have the ability because Thatcher Hurd went out there and pitched really well. You didn't have to use your ace, and you didn't have to use the second best guy you got out there as well. So now you can figure it out and go, okay, do I throw Ty? Got out a win this afternoon because if they do that, they get Friday off. And do you save Skeens for Saturday? So n- now he has the flexibility here because he's not in a must-win situation, Dawson. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't wait till Saturday to throw Skeens for the reason that you're thinking ahead to regionals starting next Friday. I want him on 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 a full which you know again. Now, Major League guys throwing four days rest without any issues, but these guys aren't used to doing that. So I would imagine 
you want to give him, which he would actually end up having eight days rest. If all goes well, you win today and, you know, you're not playing on Friday, all those things. The question with that is, because someone brought brought this up to me yesterday. Are they going to throw him in game one of the regionals? Another question. Correct. Correct. So maybe with that in mind, maybe you want to throw him on Saturday because your plan is to throw him next Saturday. Saturday. And now, personally, I would wait to see the draw before I decided whether I'm throwing him Friday or Saturday. That's uh, fair. Because I think if you get caught with a tough four seed who has an ace, then maybe you throw him. Maybe Jay Johnson thinks they're going to handle any four seed they face, and I wouldn't blame him for thinking that. So maybe he goes Ty Floyd in game one of a regional. But that also could impact where you throw Ty Floyd, right? If they Now, again, we don't know that, and I don't think Jay Johnson has spoken about that as much because obviously just you know it's not time to talk about it yet. But do they already have a regional plan pretty much mapped out in their heads, right, where maybe they're going to throw Ty today because their plan is to throw Ty next Friday, and they want him to have the extra day rest, where they know they're going to throw Paul on Saturday. So they're waiting around. You know, we'll, we'll figure all that out as the week plays out. Maybe he'll talk about you know what the process was, but maybe they haven't decided yet, and that's also very possible as well. But overall, you have a lot of options, and again, you don't need to win these games, so you can be pretty conservative with how you use it if you choose to do it Correct. that way. Correct, and you put yourself in a position now where you have a great chance to get to the semifinals if you win today, later today. That game will be at 4.30, and of course you can listen to it here on the game. And Jay was asked, hey – with what you were able to do yesterday morning with your pitching staff, what is the plan for the rotation for the rest of the conference tournament? And this is what he had to say. We have a plan going into what we want to do. And, um, you know, Wes and I met um, Monday and and talked about how we want to line it up. We feel good about that plan. Um, You want to win every game that you play. You know, I mean, I feel like the competitive element is how Coach Burtman built the program and, you know, there's there's bigger games that are coming than the ones that we're playing here, but we're going to focus on this for right now and do it in a way that's going to benefit us, you know, in the NCAA tournament. But, um, yeah, it is, is what it is. This is the best event in amateur baseball outside the uh, NCAA tournament, and we want to play well. We want to pitch well. Um, I'll be the one that will be, you know, kind of mindful of, of what we need to do, how we need to do it, pitch counts, what days the guys pitch, all those sorts of things, and we feel like we have a really good plan. And Jay Johnson says his plan is for him to know and for you to find out. <laughs> it's also, but it was also telling, right? We, we, we already have our plan in place. And what did he say there? There's bigger games. He, he gave respect to the SEC tournament, but then in the same breath, he said, there's bigger games. And the NCAA tournament. And this is a great event only behind the NCAA tournament. So that tells you that he and his staff, would they do this earlier this week? They mapped out the SEC tournament. They mapped out the regional. That's what they did. Now, obviously, circumstances inside a game can make you change, can make you adapt. You maybe be forced to do something you don't want to do. But it sounds like they're pretty adamant on what their approach is going to be here. And he was directly asked there, in lovely Hoover, Alabama, will Paul Skeens pitch on Thursday? I think you would want to come to the game tomorrow. No, we, we want to see who we're playing, and, um, you know, that uh, factors into it. Next week factors into it, and uh, we have a good idea um, of what we're going to do and excited to, to get to tomorrow's game with getting this one under our belt. Oh, man, Jay Johnson's having some fun in that press conference, huh? <laughs> Uh, look, he could go one or two ways. It's very simple. 
you pitch Skeens today, get it done with, you punch your ticket to the semifinals, you throw Ty on Saturday, which is, by the way, what, Dawson? His normal day to pitch. And you give Paul an extra day off of rest, and he's still a part of his weekly rotation, right? So your ace has an extra day, so I have a week off before he pitches again at the regional, and you keep Ty in his normal spot as well. And then if you make it to championship Sunday, right, just throw whoever you can throw out there and just hope that you can out-hit the competition. That's what it sounds like he's going to do to me. We'll find out. Well, you'll just have to be here. (laughs) Okie dokie. Let's roll. (laughs) Okie dokie. (laughs) Just, I like that. It's just like, yeah, there we go. We'll play whoever we'll play. They're going to play, I do believe Arkansas ended up pulling out that win against Texas A&M. So they'll take on the Razorbacks. Now, remember, they took two or three from Arkansas early in the season. So they have some familiarity there. They know how to beat the Razorbacks. But that should be a heck of a matchup. First pitch scheduled for 430. I think you're safe there without weather because they have the bigger gap between games two and three. So... We will have pregame begin at 4 o'clock. First pitch set for 4.30. Arkansas LSU live from the SEC tournament in Hoover, Alabama. You can listen to that live right here on the game. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, oh, guess what time it is? Time to talk to me, these Cowboys. Marathon game against Nichols. We'll recap it for you next right here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer. Or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The McNeese Cowboys fall in extra innings to Nichols last night, 3-2, to two, as they were taking on the top seed for the Southland Conference Tournament. They're at Joe Miller Ballpark. Decent crowd. Rain and lightning uh, played havoc here where first pitch wasn't nearly until 8 o'clock. They're at the Joe. And look, McNeese battled. That they did. Nichols takes the lead there in the bottom of the first as they get to McNeese's starting pitcher early, but they get out of the jam. They only give up one run. McNeese ties the game in the top of the fourth. And Cooper Hex got a one-out signal, and he would score on a triple to right field by Braley Hollins. Cowboys would then take the lead in the top of the fifth on a flyout by Brad Burkell, who scored Andrew Gonzalez who had let off the frame with a double to left field. 
but Nichols would tie the game in the bottom of the six. And then it became scoreless, 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 scoreless. Ty Abraham got pulled. He got bit in a, in a jam, but Christian Vega came in and he was magnificent. He got out of a bases loaded jam with only one out. That's what he did. It was absolutely phenomenal how he was able to do that. And he was good, really, the rest of the way for the Cowboys. Once again, came into the sixth there with the bases loaded, only one out. Not only did he get out of that jam, he would end up giving up no runs on just three hits while striking out 10 in six innings of relief work. But it wasn't enough as Nichols finally broke through as both teams had multiple chances in extra innings to win the game. Particularly in the 11th, McNeese had a great opportunity to take the lead. They led off the frame with a single to right field. Two batters later, they hit another single up the middle, put runners on the corners with only one out. Nichols made the pitching change, and the new guy came in, struck out, ground out. Nichols then, in the bottom of the 11th, had an opportunity to score, including a wild pitch setting someone up at third base. But McNeese found a way to get out of that. Vega got out of the jam by striking out the batter. And then in the 12th, McNeese got a guy on, single up the middle, then he stole second base. Unable to bring him home. That was the story of the game. The two teams combined for 25 runners left on the base paths. 25. That's a very large number, by the way. That's more than a couple. And McNeese had their chances to take down the top seed. Were unable to do it. And now the Cowpokes will have to make the quick turnaround to play Incarnate Word in an elimination game this morning at 11 a.m. So, didn't get done, probably didn't leave the ballpark until after midnight. Got to come right back around and play a morning game. The pitching was there. The pitching was there. Got to get more runs. And that's been kind of a problem for the Cowboys all season long. Hour one in the books. Good start to today's show. Hour number two, we're going to make it better. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, me, oh, my crawfish pie. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. As we broadcast live from the EFCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette, EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. He is the producer extraordinaire, Dawson Iserlo, a.k.a. D-Lo, a.k.a. 
the man that knows all. Wise beyond his years, the son of Iceman is. We talked a lot college baseball, hour number one, recapping Raging Cajuns, starting off Sunbelt Conference Tournament with a big win over Texas State. Great pitching performance by the Cajuns and some timely hits. LSU opens up SEC tournament play with a win over South Carolina. They got a surprising pitching performance from Thatcher Hurd. McNeese baseball battles for 14 innings and in a game where the Cowboys and the Colonels of Nichols combined to leave 25 runners on the base paths. Not optimal. Cowboys fall short in 14 innings, losing 3-2. to two. They're at the Southland Conference Tournament held at the Joe, Joe Miller Ballpark. We also have a poll question of the day that we've been sharing with you. What impressed you the most about the first day of conference baseball tournaments for all three teams as all three of them played yesterday? Right now, 53% of you say LSU's pitching. 44% say the Cajuns pitching. No votes for McNeese battling it out. 3% for other. Let's get to some comments, some new comments. Hart on Twitter says, completely unrelated, but what impressed me the most was Dawson's hot dog and crawfish boil water hack. Tried it out last night. It'll be hard to eat a normal dog again. I'm just here to just here to hopefully improve the lives of those in the Acadiana area. That's my goal. So. Man of the people you are. The people love you. Didn't take long. Didn't take long. How's that? How's dealing with the fact that you're getting so much love it, from um, the folks of Southwest Louisiana? It doesn't. It's it's. Well, it's it's flattering when it happens, but it doesn't really, uh, you know. It's I haven't had to hire a bodyguard yet, um, so we're good. Not yet. Yet is the key word in that phrase. Right. I, I haven't had a single encounter where someone was like, <laughs> "Oh, wait, you're the guy from the radio." No, that doesn't. That doesn't. It happen. will happen. Uh, we'll see. It. No. It, I'm. I'm telling you, as someone who never thought he'd get recognized in a restaurant, it happens. People go. Oh, are you our big, bald, and beautiful one in the flesh? Are, are you are you RP three? How about yes, I am. Nice to meet you. What's your name? Like it will happen. It will happen. Trust me. Trust me. It's happened to every producer before you, except for one. He who will not be named, and everyone else. So, I get told that people love you, whether it's in person or via text or sometimes direct message, or even sometimes, believe it or not, an email. Hey, that new guy's really good. Shout out to D-Lo. Just saying. Well, I appreciate all of all of those comments. I do. I really do. Just saying. And now you're giving people some life hacks, just making everyone have better lives. That's what you're doing. You're you're quickly We're becoming just, a man of the people. What do, Astros, what do we have here? Are we going to get back to? I was going to get to program? another comment on the poll question, okay. if that's okay. Yeah, I don't like all the me. I like to focus it back on the on the program. Oh, the man likes to focus, but you are part of the program. Uh, part, part. That's the word. <laughs> Where do we stand on getting uh, Papa Iserlo? Yeah, I had a conversation work? last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny, you may ask, and mm-hmm. uh, he said the calendar's a bit booked, but uh, you might be able to get him on a call in. Mm-hmm. I get that. So. Mm, I see. I see. I mean, look. Wow. Wow. I it's, mean, what, what's what's the deal with Papa Iserlo not wanting to be supportive look, of his baby boy? The calendar is full, and I saw a look at it yesterday. <laughs> it is uh, It is full. Let's just say it that way. But 
do we need to somehow set up a live remote from the Iceman's workplace? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, let's go with that. <laughs> look, man, I'm open to, I'm flexible. Look, you know, well, look, you know this, we're good. We can take our show on the road. It doesn't matter. Pack up the remote kit. Here we come. Broadcasting from parts unknown. Salty Steve says, I played a lot of baseball. If UL and coach didn't realize they had a no-hitter going, it would be a first. What game was he paying attention to? The coach's responsibility is to keep his head in the game. That's a very salty comment. I've covered sports for more than 20 years. A lot of coaches don't realize they have a no-hitter going on. I've this is not my first time hearing that and it's not my first time talking to a coach afterwards whether that's baseball or softball sorry salty Steve I got nothing but love for you but well I mean if it's the eighth or ninth inning then yeah I think they're going to realize but in the fifth or sixth like yeah sometimes that's not even you're not even there yet you're just trying to worry about how many outs and as you can give you before you go to Rawls so I I, and should the head coach really be concerned about a no hitter or should he be concerned about the game like right well I mean you know it's it's an aspect now look do some coaches maybe lie about the fact that they know or didn't know maybe but there's not really a benefit to not sharing that with you know people so I don't know salty Steve being salty Living up to his nickname. So salty he is. So salty. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming as well. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter. Where do you stand? You're the one. Your brain is the one that came up with this tremendous poll question of the day, which is already getting a ton of votes and a ton of traffic on this glorious Thursday morning. Where do you stand on this? I don't know. I don't. I don't think I have a strong opinion. I think the. I think that it was both surprising how well the Cajuns pitched and how well LSU pitched. Um, McNeese battling isn't as surprising. I guess it's just more disappointing the result that came from it. But um, I don't know. the The phrasing of the question that I made uh, causes me to be a little bit back and forth. I guess I'm a little bit more surprised that LSU's bullpen came through. That's how I voted because we've seen the Cajuns pitch strong from time to time and they were phenomenal yesterday, but we've seen them, those guys in particular, pitch well this year. When's the last time you remember Thatcher Hurd pitching that well? The entire season. So that's why it's LSU for me because when we heard that Thatcher was going to pitch, we're like, well, can he get to the third? Like, like that's... Because of how he's pitched all season long. Whether that's coming out of the pin or starting. So for me, the biggest thing that impressed me the most was probably Thatcher Hurd and LSU's performance. Because I expected the Cajuns to be better. And uh, of the two. So that's what kind of impressed me. But look, Cajuns were absolutely phenomenal yesterday. They were. They were. And... Conference tournament. Baseball, man. It's such a grind. And look, LSU has placed them in a position, themselves in a position, Dawson, where they win today, they get the day off tomorrow. They go ahead and they move right along to the semifinals. The Cajuns do the same thing. If they can take down Coastal Carolina, 
they'll punch their ticket to the semifinals for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament over there in Montgomery. The Cowboys, meanwhile, have work to do. Remember McNeese? They had to win, essentially, the play-in game for the Southland Conference Tournament there at the Joe on Tuesday. And then last night, they battled for 14 innings in a game that was delayed by about 45 minutes to begin with. And now they have to turn around and play an elimination game this morning at 11 o'clock. Hopefully, McNeese's bats will wake up and be able to lead them to a victory and keep them from being eliminated from the conference tournament, which they host. Let's head out to the game hotline. Welcome on Doug to the show. Doug, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? What's on your mind? Morning, morning, Ray. I like to a little something on Hurd. I mean, I, I was too surprised on his performance uh, last night or yesterday morning. But I was kind of going back and forth on Hurd, Ray. Man, when he would throw a fastball, I mean, he was dead on. He was he was striking players out. He had them all befuddled and confused, and they were they were like, "Man, what was that?" You know. And then here comes that breaking ball. That breaking, uh, it's like, good lord, boy, what was that? You know, I know Milazzo was sweating whenever he asked for anything but a fastball. I agree, you know Doug. And look, it, that's been the problem for Thatcher all season, right? Yep. Control, Where he control, he, he doesn't yeah. have control, and he doesn't have as many pitches as he needs. Exactly. And, exactly. and and that and that's but been a big problem. So, it, Doug, let me ask you: If you're Jay Johnson, what do you think he's going to do? You think he's going to throw Skeens today? No, I wouldn't. And to be honest with you, Ray, I could care less about the SEC tournament. I could. Now, what he should do is throw somebody else in there today. See what somebody else may do. You know, they may step up to the plate. You know, the the moment may may. Make them rise, you know. You just you just don't know. But I wouldn't start skiing, uh, uh, not at all. And either Floyd, neither one. So, are, would you? Say, Ray, I, I just I could care less about the SEC tournament right now, Ray. If they had a couple of more studs, yeah, I would care about the SEC tournament. But right now, the bullpen the way it is, hmm, man, you Ray. I just I don't I don't think no no save what you got and let's get into the regional. All right, brother. I appreciate the phone call, bud. Enjoy your day. Thank you, Ray. So Doug coming in strong, D'Lo saying Jay Johnson shouldn't even worry about pitching either one of those guys. Just well, get prepared for the regional. Yeah, but you're going to pitch them because you want them to get work anyway. So, I mean, you're going to pitch them at some point, whether it's, you know, a limited outing or whatever it is. You want to throw them. You don't want guys to be two weeks removed from competitive action when you're going into your biggest tournament of the season. So, I would disagree with that. Now, if you pitch them today or if you want to – now, you you know you're playing another game in this tournament, so if you want to save it, you can. But I think you pitch some combination of Skeens and Floyd in the next two games you play, whichever those games are and whenever they are and whoever they're against. Would you be surprised if they were limited in those games? No, and that's what I'm saying. You don't have to go, you know, they don't have to go 110 pitches in, into the seventh inning, grinding out outs and, you know, with runners in scoring position and a couple outs in the inning. Like, you can pull them early 
and that can be a set plan. And I'm sure, again, that plan they talked about is probably you know a little bit more detailed than what he let on in that press conference. But I think you want him to throw in this tournament would be my my bigger point. I think, look, you have to throw them just so they can have the reps, right? Because you don't want them to have the extra time off. But would I be surprised if it maybe they only go three or four innings? Yeah, I, I would not be surprised by that whatsoever. Not not by one stretch of the imagination. So LSU gets the win. Once again, they'll play this afternoon. They'll be taking on Arkansas in Hoover at the SEC tournament. Pre-game is scheduled to begin at 4 o'clock. First pitch set for 4.30, and you can listen to it right here on the game later on today. Cajuns taking on Coastal Carolina, scheduled for 7.30 tonight over in Montgomery. And the McNeese Cowboys in an elimination game this morning. They'll be taking on Incarnate Word. First pitch scheduled for 11 a.m. over at the Joe. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, how about a little Raging Cajun softball discussion? That's right. They're gearing up for the Super Regionals over in Seattle. We'll hear from Coach Jerry Glasgow next, right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, looking ahead, you got a day to rest. I let the players rest today. We'll get back on the field tomorrow, practice. And we're, you know, I'm in the process today of watching film on Washington. Uh, looks like they've got a very good pitcher, um, young too. But those are both hard and down, can go up. Um, they're extremely well coached. We all know Coach Tarr. She's been there and done just a tremendous job for years. Um, and she's she was a young coach when I first Got a coach against her, and now she's a veteran coach, a really, really, really talented young coach, uh, still young but very experienced, and, you know, coach of USA softball as well. So we know they're going to be ready and prepared, and they're going to play really well. Beautiful ballpark. I've never personally got to go to Washington. I've always wanted to to go to that field. Um, I've watched a lot of games at Washington, and so I look forward to seeing – the beautiful facility out there and that bald eagle flying around and, and this is the whole scenery of the of the stadium and university. So that's kind of where, where we're at and I, we're still in the planning stage of logistics and I would think we'll leave probably Wednesday or Thursday. That's Louisiana Raging Cajun softball skipper Jerry Glasgow talking about his team heading to the great Pacific Northwest, or as Kevin Foote likes to refer to it as, Asia. Take on the Washington Huskies, who survived the McNeese Cowgirls to win the Seattle Regional. And look, I understand that it's going to be a challenge. 
for Louisiana. They have to go across the country. They have to take on a national seed in their park. I get all that. But I also saw McNeese literally a few outs away, a few pitches away from beating that national seed in their own park to win that regional. And Louisiana and McNeese faced off three times this season. And the Cajuns won all three games. So I understand it's going to be a challenge. It's the final 16 teams in the country here battling it out for a chance to go to Oklahoma City. The Cajuns have a legitimate chance of winning the Super Regional. Now, do they have to play better? Do they not have to commit five errors in a game? Yeah, you bet. But there's no reason to think that they don't have a chance here to go to Seattle and win the Super Regionals. Oh, definitely. And and by the way, those comments were from a couple days ago, so don't freak out. Uh, Coach Glasgow didn't miss his flight because I know he mentioned <laughs> Wednesday, and you're probably going, wait a minute, Wednesday. I think they're actually leaving uh, today, though. They decided to, to, nice. to wait until today to leave. But uh, no, and I think, honestly, there's two different ways that Washington could come out in the Super Regional, and that's going to be, you know, again, you'll have something to say about that with how you perform. That's always an intriguing thing for me, right? How well is a team playing versus how poor is their opponent playing? It's difficult to judge. Sometimes more difficult in certain sports than others. But the one way Washington could come out is is with a lot of momentum going, wow, we just survived. We just put together an unbelievable mm, rally. True. The bats were cold for much of the regional for Washington, but they were certainly uh, red hot through the rain in the seventh inning against McNeese. So maybe they take that as momentum and they start to play some of their best softball. Or, which I've seen happen before, you have a big emotional victory. You know, on the you, you snatch victory from the jaws of defeat as they did. Um, and then the next week, you kind of still feel like you're on a cloud and you come out playing extremely flat. See uh, the Minnesota Vikings after the Minneapolis Miracle when they got absolutely stomped by the Eagles the next week. So Correct. Sometimes, you know what I mean, when you come off that emotional high where you felt like your season was over, but all of a sudden you find a way to win, sometimes you kind of float on an emotional high the rest of the week and you come out flat the next week. That's possible, but... I think the more realistic situation here is just because of the circumstances, they're going to be at home. They're 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 a better team than McNeese throughout the season, even though McNeese matched up very well one on one. I think you're going to see a motivated Washington team that has some momentum. So the Cajuns are going to have to play very very well, in my opinion, to to win a game or win this series. I'm not disagreeing that, but the Cajuns are going to be very confident as well, too, because they went and took down a national seed and an arch rival in their ballpark. Certainly. So they're not going to be intimidated going to Washington to play. They're going to be on cloud nine as well. They're going to be the confident, the most confident they've been maybe all season coming off what they just did. So I think this is a far more evenly matched super regional series than maybe some of the national people think and maybe even some Cajun fans think. I, yeah, and, and look, let's remember, too, this is a team that's played at LSU. They've played at Texas. They played at Clearwater against all the best teams in the country. They played a lot of road games against big-time opponents. So they're not a team that hasn't gone into. They're correct. not – you could even make the argument they're more well-prepared than a team like some of the teams they saw in the Sun Belt Tournament, right, that came into Lampson Park. I would agree with totally with that. So, you And know, that overall, scheduling that Jerry did, uh, not only with the, the – uh, the the tournament in Clearwater, but also the other tournament they took part in when they had to play Florida, right? 
beat Florida on the road, beat LSU on the road. Like they've won big time games on the road throughout the season. So that matters. And remember, Certainly. late in the season, they didn't get a win at Texas A&M. They didn't get a win at Baylor, but they played those teams back to back in the middle of a week, in the middle of conference play. Yeah. So the scheduling, difficult scheduling, and having to travel the way they have could play a huge role in this series no matter what we feel like this is going to be a tough series that this is going to be a wildly entertaining series and Jerry Glasgow talked about he believes that this is going to be a hard-fought super regional series with the Washington Huskies yeah I don't I don't think that really will matter anything I will say this I think they're going into the series with a lot of momentum when they come in that seventh inning rally they they've got they're going to have a lot of momentum in the first inning but so are we. I think our kids are going to have a lot of momentum coming off that uh, last day where they won two big games, hard-fought games. So I think both teams are going into that Super Regional in a really good spot mentally. Um, I think it'll be a, it'll be a, a good series, and a, a lot of talent's going to be on the field. I've watched them enough to know they've got a lot of talent, and I'm, I've, we've got a lot of talent. So I think it'll be a really – there's going to be a lot of speed on the field. There's going to be power on the field. Bay Klingler's one of the better hitters in the country. Um, so it's, I, I expect it to be a really good, uh, hard-fought series. And I would echo that sentiment that Coach Glasgow says there because they're both coming off huge highs, and they're both immensely talented, and they are both have an opportunity to get to Oklahoma City. So you're gonna, I'm going to expect to see – a great series. The big thing for me is can the Cajuns defense be good enough for them to win a super regional? Well, that's that's been, you know, somewhat of a question, but again, and they overcame some issues. They overcame the that. Um now there weren't defensive breakdowns. There were a couple plays that should have been made, but I would call them difficult plays. So, you know, certainly stuff that you can clean up. There weren't like big time breakdowns like some of the stuff we saw early in the season. But another thing that's interesting to me about this is Washington kind of called on the rain in that seventh inning. I don't know how they handle that in Seattle. They know when to, you know, create sort of uh, moisture in the air. There it is. Um, but the weather is always a factor in Seattle, right? It is a place that rains quite often, as we learn from movies. I've never been there myself. Uh, but will that play a factor in this tournament at all, and 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 or in this series? And Coach Glasgow had some comments about the weather overall and how that could impact something when you're going to Seattle for a three-game set. Yeah, the ball will go out of there. I, I, I watched Oregon hit eight home runs, and one of the games I was watching uh, when my daughter played there, I remember uh, Oregon having a, a huge day with eight home runs, and you'll see high-scoring games there. I w- it's close to the coast, so I don't know how high the altitude. I wouldn't think it's high because it's very close to the, the coast, if I understand right. But I do know that there's a lot of home runs, a lot of balls hit. I don't know whether the wind's a factor. I don't know. I do know there's always a lot of rain there, too, and you have to be prepared to, to play in the rain if that's possible. But we deal with that here a lot, so I'm not too upset about that. Louisiana, Washington, face off in the Super Regionals. That'll be late Friday night there in Seattle, and we'll see if Jerry Glasgow's team can make it happen, be the road team, and win the Super Regional and punch their ticket to Oklahoma City. When we return here on RP3 and Company, Dawson Iserlow, he's the producer extraordinaire. He is a man of the people. He's got something special planned for you. He's going to attack their microphone with veracity and intelligence, and he may even move your heart and soul 
That's all coming up next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parch III, better known as RP3. Of course, I'm joined, as always, in the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette by the producer extraordinaire, Dawson Iserlow. My man, let me tell you something. You know him as the producer extraordinaire, a.k.a. Two Degrees, a.k.a. Son of the Iceman. He is intelligent. He's fit. He loves to golf. And he has versatility of uh, swapping it up between contact lenses and eyeglasses. But you know what? He can talk about a plethora. That's right, plethora. It's a good word. Of different topics. He's not just a football guy. He's just not a baseball guy. He can talk hoops, golf, tennis, soccer. You want to know about salary cap situations and how teams manipulate the cap? He's your guy. You want to talk about war and how it could be manipulated by analytical people he's your guy mm, not on that one no. <laughs> um but you mentioned golf that's where i'm gonna go with this that i do like to golf and i was golfing recently so we'll, we'll go story time here um i'm not a great golfer working on it but i mean look i'm your average 15 handicap or so you know i, I make some nice swings i make some really bad ones uh more i bad wish ones i wish i ones. had a 15 handicap well it's not 15 if it's <laughs> if it's official but i i round to that uh it's more you know in the 20s area but anyway um was recently golfing and came up to a 325 yard par four right so that's a pretty long hole um and pulled out driver and thought, let's just swing it hard, see what happens, as I do oftentimes. And I hit a great one. I mean, dead straight with some power behind it. A little extra kind of clearing of the hips as we uh, as we came through the strike zone there in the swing for the golf swing there. And uh, it was on a it was on a line. I mean, a good line too. And my playing partner, he lost it. I said, it's right at the pin. Just look at the flag. You'll see it. Um, and. It rolled up a couple of hops onto the green pin high on a par four, which is not something I do very often. So, I mean, I'm fired up. 325-yard drive, even with the pin. So we start looking around, and, and my playing partner hits his tee shot, and uh, we start walking up there. <clears throat> and then we turn around, and we go, we're not at the right tee box. So, see, what had happened was... <laughs> Now, look, it wasn't our fault. The way the course is designed, it and I won't get into it. It wasn't your fault, okay. There's a little bit of, uh, yeah. So we were playing at the gold tees all day. That's like, you know, it's not the tips, but it's the next ones from the tips, right? Okay, all right, all right. Well, these were the tan tee boxes that were that were a couple yard, a couple uh, boxes in front, and they looked gold. And, I mean, we just drove up. We hit our shot. We, this was like, I don't know, the seventh or eighth hole of the day. Um, so it turns out my 325-yard drive that was pinned. Now, look, it was still a great drive. I was still happy with it. But it was about 270, 
instead of 325. <laughs> so that was a shot to the ego. And to compound matters, <laughs> oh, I like that. I had 25 feet for eagle, and I went ahead and four putted for bogey on that. Oh, one, dude, so. you pulled a Raymond. That's it's exactly just, what I would do. It's just unreal, really. And um, yeah, so that was um, whenever you're feeling too high in anything, just go play a round of golf. Well, and yeah, and then you get the microcosm in there of of you know going wow, 325. Man, I haven't hit a drive that long in forever. Man, that's crazy. Oh, that's because you didn't. Because it was not the right tee box. So, you, know. you did. You know what I love about the game is it's immensely frustrating, but it always hooks you. Oh, well, you always, and it's it's the golf god's way of getting you back in. You're going to hit a nice shot on 17 or 18 that's going to get you back, and that's why you play again the next time. Right. It kind of suckers you in. Oh, yeah. like, like when you go to the casino and you win a little money on the slot machine, you're like, oh, man. But, but you always leave with less money in your pocket. And I can't tell you how many times I've had a miserable day on the course. Cursing at myself, mad, have lost eight to ten balls in the woods and in the water. I'm having a miserable day where there's plenty of snowmen on my scorecard. And I always remember this. It was the week before my daughter was born. And we're living in Beaumont at the time, and I was golfing a lot at that time. Still not golfing well, but just playing. And I had a miserable day on the course. Miserable. <clears throat> and it comes down to 18. And my approach shot on this par four, elevated green, I, as I always do, because my short game, I can never figure out how to use my wedge the right way. I just, it sails over. It just sails right over the green. And I get over there, and it's rolled all the way past the cart path. So I can't see the hole, right, at all. And I'm like, oh, I'm just like, whatever. I put my putter down because I'm like, I'm going to have to use it here in a second. So I just I get out my wedge, and I'm like, whatever. I'm just, I'm just disgusted with myself. I'm just, I can't wait to leave the golf course. And I'm sitting there, I can't wait not to, ha- not to be able to play golf. And I get up there. And I chip, and I bump and run it, and it goes up there, and the guys I'm playing with are on the green, and I just hear them yell. And I can't see it, and I'm like, what just happened? And I run up the steep incline there behind the green, and I, I, I chipped it in. And I still have that golf ball, by the way. It's in my office at my house. And that shot was to win the U.S. Open, right? Right, but... You feel like you just won the U.S. Open when you make a shot like that. And it erases the previous three hours of awfulness. It's just, it's amazing how that works. It's just the one shot, and you go, wow. I am good at this game. I am good at this game. (laughs) And And then then you you have to hit the next tee shot. But uh, yeah, no, I know it is is a difficult, um, oh man, it's a convoluted situation in which you swing a stick and hit a uh, round object plenty of times. Sometimes more times than uh, you should have to hit it in a round. But, um, yeah. uh, 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 Matt Miguez and I went golfing a while back with Aaron. Oh, I didn't get invited, but that's okay. This was before you came. Uh, I don't know. 
I think you purposely excluded me. Oh wow! I've invited you, but you it's you, okay. you you're like joking. you're like uh, no, I got I got to leave work. Uh, I'm like, where are you going? I'm going golfing. I'm like, all right, I guess you're gonna go go golf by yourself. Look, it, it, it's your time. It's your time. I'm not going to be critical. And I was terrible. <clears throat> and we we're playing at farm. It's terrible. 18th hole. I get it on the dance floor about 22 feet away from the hole on the back left side of the green at the farm on 18. And I'm like, just a wasted round. Just like, just awful. And I drained my putt. Like I, I wasn't able to put all day, all day. I couldn't put all day. And for whatever reason, that 22 to 23 foot putt drained it right into the cup. I was like, yes. And once again, forgot about all the terrible golf that I had just committed <laughs> the previous three hours. Just terrible, man. Just terrible. Whew. Let's check in on the poll question of the day before we have to take our time out. We asked you with conference baseball tournaments in now full swing. And we had both LSU and UL get started in theirs yesterday. McNeese also played their first double elimination game. Because remember, they had to play the single elimination on Tuesday. We asked you, what impressed you about the conference baseball tournaments with our teams? Was it LSU's pitching? Was it the Cajuns pitching? Was it the the fact that McNeese was able to battle as well as they did? Or was it other? 54% of you say LSU's pitching. 41% say Cajuns pitching. 5% 5% say other. No votes for McNeese as of yet. Ralph on Twitter says, given the expectations for Omaha, the trials of the season and speculation, they really don't care about the conference tournament. LSU's bullpen would be Ralph's answer. And look, Doug called early and brought up a good point. He doesn't care. Does LSU really care? Because a lot of LSU fans don't care. They'd rather... Just get ready for regional, super regional, and get to Omaha. B-Rad says, Hurd's five innings of one-run ball was indeed surprising. More surprising was Ackenhausen. Ackie did walk three, but allowed zero runs and just one hit with six Ks. Start Skeens today, 75 pitches, then pull him. I could see them doing that. I could see there being a pitch count on, on Skeens. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming as well. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean, okay? No need to get salty with it out there, okay? There's no need for that. Just keep it clean for the kids. We got to take a timeout, but when we return here on RP3 and Company, Houston Astros, they played a game yesterday. They just didn't show up for it. We'll talk about that next right here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer. But we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on On the the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
For the second straight day, the Houston Astros were shut out by the Milwaukee Brewers. Shout out to the Brew Crew. Four nothing yesterday to wrap up the series. They take the series two games out of three. And Houston just beat up the former Cy Young Award winner in game one of this series. And then forgot how to hit the rest of the way. Now, credit Milwaukee. Brewers are five games above 500. Pretty good. Having a pretty good season. They're in contention there in the National League Central. We expect them to at least maybe be a wildcard team. So, you're on the road against a quality opponent. And credit Milwaukee for absorbing that first game, which they were routed, to bounce back in blank the Strohs back-to-back days. And not only did they blank them, shut them out yesterday, D'Lo, they held the Strohs to only four hits total. That's it. And only one of them was an extra base hit. That was Alex Bregman's double. That's it. Only four hits. And they only drew one walk. That's it. And look, you're going to have lulls like this. The one walk, of course, was Alvarez. He went 0 for 3 with a walk. Dubon 0 for 4. Kyle Tucker is one of the guys that got a hit. Ironically... In a day where they were held to four hits, Abreu got one of them. But no one else really stepped up. Pena, Ofer, McCormick, Ofer, Rake Myers, Ofer. Still no Altuve as well as he's resting, I guess. Not really for sure. Illness, remember? Illness, yes. It could be resting from the illness, maybe. Still... I still don't know how I feel about calling it American Family Field. I just want to call it Miller Park still. I don't think the Milwaukee Brewers care, though, because of the sponsorship money they get from that. Let's call it the stadium with the big slide. Ooh, and the sausage races. Yeah, that too. There you go. They got going that. On. There is, there is a lot going on. Um, They threw BLAC yesterday, which was interesting. He gave them six and two-thirds. Gave up four runs on five hits, three Ks. Three of the runs were home runs. So what what do we make of that decision? I was surprised. Well, he's he's been in there since Urquidy went down. So, uh, I mean, you're going to see until McCullers gets back in this mix and then Urquidy again um, by the All-Star break. When Garcia and Urquidy both went down, you added France and Belak to the rotation. So... Um, that's probably going to be that how it is for a couple more weeks at the very least. I guess more than that because it doesn't look like McCullers or Arquides anywhere near returning. Um, McCullers looking like close to the All Star break along with Arquides there, Arquides. so which could be huge for them for the second half of the season to get both of those guys back. Right, right. again, they've just won eight in a row without all those guys. So. Correct. So interesting. I, I do wonder if they would tighten up their pitching rotation. And make it a little bit shorter while those guys are out. Well, I don't think they want to put more tax on Hunter Brown. No, they don't. And even Framber and Javier, I don't think they want to. Well, and even JP, I don't think they want to overwhelm them, right? Being him and Hunter being so young, they don't want to overwhelm them. But shut out for the second day in the row. Now, today is a travel day for the Strohs. 
an off day, if you will, and they'll gear up for a weekend holiday weekend series against the athletics in Oakland amongst probably about 1500 people every day. Ooh, that's, that's just, that's garbage. It's, it's garbage how the A's have treated their franchise and their fans and what they're doing now. It, you shouldn't be surprised by how the team is operated and they get so much credit for Moneyball, and but that's a, just a glorified way of saying, "Hey, look what we did when we decided to be cheap, right?" Like everyone patted Oakland on the back all those years. Well, look what they are able to do. Well, they're doing it on purpose because they don't want to spend money. Okay, they're not truly invested in their team because they're not spending money to make their team better. So that's part of it. Credit Billy for being given scraps and making a meal out of it for better more than a decade. But sorry. The way they have treated the fans, how they've not done things to that ballpark, and now they're going to move to go to Vegas. It's it's all just garbage. Hour number two was not garbage. It was awesome, but it's done. Hour number three is going to be even better. We're going to kick it off with less East of CrescentCitySports.com. That's next, right here on The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, the third and final hour of today's RP3 and company has arrived as we broadcast live from the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Of course, I'm joined inside these studios by the producer extraordinaire, Dawson Iserlo, a.k.a. D-Lo. Coming up half an hour from right now, we'll talk all things Raging Cajuns with Corey Diaz from the Daily Advertiser. Cajun softball team gearing up for the Seattle Super Regional against Washington. That'll begin tomorrow night. Baseball team began play in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament over in Montgomery last night as they got a win against Texas State. They'll take on Coastal Carolina this evening. We'll talk all about that with Corey when he joins us half an hour from right now. Don't forget to also vote on our poll question of the day. What was the thing that stood out the most to you, the most impressive thing from the conference tournament action yesterday and late last night? Was it LSU's pitching? Was it the Cajuns pitching? Or was it McNeese battling? Or was it other? Go vote. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now, it's time for us to talk New Orleans Saints football and maybe even a little Pelicans basketball with our guy, Les East from CrescentCitySports.com. He joins us now. Les, good morning to you, brother. How are you? I'm doing well, Raymond. How are you? I'm doing amazing, bud. All right. So, look, I know it's OTAs, right? It's glorified practice. But... Give us your thoughts on what you've seen so far this week uh, for the New Orleans Saints and uh, what's kind of really stood out to you so far about OTAs. Well, just the first day was open to the media. That's pretty much going to be the routine here, one day open 
each week they're going to be practicing uh, I think three times each each week and uh, it's kind of a typical OTAs a bunch of guys running around in shorts throwing the football around but uh, you know I think there's a, a positive atmosphere because of the arrival of Derek Carr and what was pretty much a um, I think seen as a, a positive off season in terms of rebuilding the roster overall. And, uh, you know, I believe 80 of 89 players are on hand, although a few of those on hand are unable to participate because of uh, rehabs, including Trevor Penning. Uh, but, you know, nothing surprising in that regard. So uh, all in all, pretty good turnout, pretty good uh, atmosphere. Uh, you know, Derek Carr looked good the other day, had his, uh, you know, Foster Morrow on the field with him. Also, uh, you know, no Michael Thomas, but, you know, a lot of the receivers that he's getting to know, and that, that'll probably be uh, the biggest focal point as we go through the OTAs here because uh, so much of the optimism about this team is centered on his arrival and the anticipation of significantly improved uh, quarterback play and a lot more potential for this offense going into this season. We know there's going to be a focus of him developing chemistry and rapport with Chris Olave, who's going to, you know, that that's the, the second year wide out and going to be their franchise guy moving forward. And with Michael Thomas still not there, because he's recovering from off-season surgery, who's who has the opportunity here to kind of get a jump start on things and developing chemistry with the new franchise quarterback? Well, I think there are uh, probably a, a few possibilities. Certainly, the uh, the wide receiver they signed from the Raiders. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Uh, veteran Edwards. receiver who's familiar with Carr, so he has sort of a head start in his familiarity um, with Derek Carr. So uh, that's a possibility. Uh, Traquan Smith, the, the veteran who's, I believe, going into his fifth or sixth season now, has uh, had either big moments or vanished from the offense for most of his career here. A lot of that has had to do with injuries. When he's been involved in the passing game, he's had some big moments, but there have been huge gaps in his productivity. And so, uh, you know, sooner or later, he's going to have to have a breakout season where they're going to have to move on from him. So certainly uh, he would be a guy who's trying to make his mark with a new quarterback. Uh, I think the uh, the rookie uh, draft choice, six-round pick from uh, Wake Forest, is someone we've talked about who um, probably is seen as someone who uh, generally was uh, thought to be higher rated than where he was selected, slipped a bit in the draft because of some uh, perceived character issue that, that didn't bother the Saints. Uh, so uh, he's a guy who uh, has a chance to outperform the spot where he was drafted. He's a big target. I think he's a guy who um, is trying to learn the offense, obviously, but maybe could could make a mark here early on. And then, of course, Rashid Shahid, who basically has taken over the Deontay Hardy role with perhaps a bigger 
uh, role in the passing game itself, in addition to being the primary return specialist, is a guy uh, who's, uh, I think, a big part of their plans in the passing game. Les, we got to see the rookie running back, Kendra Miller, out of TCU. He was part of the rookie premiere event, so you know there were some shots of him in his new uniform and kind of running around a little bit. Is there an idea that Kendra has a big role in this offense, even if Alvin Kamara doesn't end up suspended or plays most of the season, or is he strictly an insurance policy at least early on in his career? No, I think there's a, a belief that he can find a role in this offense, certainly – they signed Jamal Williams from Detroit to have a role, but I think he's more of a, a goal line guy, a third down short yardage guy, but he would probably be considered the number two running back at this point. But Miller, I think they believe he's NFL ready coming out of TCU. Once he gets this, this knee issue behind him, uh, he's supposed to be full go by training camp. So I think uh, as a guy who who can spell Kamara and uh, be utilized in the passing game and uh, be be sort of a bridge between Kamara and um, Jamal Williams on uh, short yardage situations, I think there's a a thought that he will be uh, in the game plan each week. And uh, certainly he is an insurance policy because of the the cloud hanging over Kamara's head, but I think they all there's also an expectation that he will have a, a role in the offense even when uh, Kamara's around. Defensively, you know, this Saints team, for so long they kind of were up near the top in the NFL and defending the run, and that was able to kind of allow them to make teams a little more one-dimensional. We saw the success they had against guys like Tom Brady in the division. They've kind of retooled some things over the past couple of years. Of course, the defensive line is going to be very new look uh, with a couple of rookies and a couple of free agent acquisitions. Do you think this team's done enough to kind of get back to the to where they were as far as stopping the run, or do you think this is going to be a team that has to kind of piece things together a little bit more? Well, I think that's going to be one of the questions, one of the bigger questions going into training camp in the preseason because they lost three of their top defensive tackles. Uh, certainly they used uh, those top two picks on a defensive tackle and the defensive end. They signed a couple of veteran defensive tackles um, specifically to shore up the, the interior run defense. So they, they made a lot of moves out of necessity, uh, not only because of the run defense wasn't quite as good last year, but also because of the attrition through free agency. So they made a lot of moves to try and address that, but I, you know, I don't know that anyone is convinced that they're going to be appreciably better on the defensive line. That's the hope, and that's certainly something they focused on in the off season. But I think we need to see how these uh, the the veterans that they signed, as well as the rookies, uh, how they all fit together. They have a new defensive uh, line coach and Todd Todd Grantham. They have a new defensive coordinator and you know one of their core co-coordinators last year was ryan nielsen who uh had a good run as defensive line coach now uh he's moved on so uh there are a lot of question marks there and that that may be the the most important area during the preseason uh to get it up to speed and see how all these new pieces in the coaching staff as well as the the personnel 
get together to try and upgrade that area. So, I, you know, I don't know what the answer is there. They've, they've done a lot to try and uh, fix that area, but we won't know until they start playing for real in September. We're talking with Les Cease of CrescentCitySports.com. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Les, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. I know we're gearing up for the NBA Finals and everything's quiet on the Pelicans front, but when can we expect some activity for the Pelicans, and what do you think are going to be some of the moves that this team is going to need to make if they want to take that next step and be a real contender in the Western Conference? Well, I I, I don't think it's going to be a real active off season. Uh, you know, there's always a possibility that they could could make a trade of some sort if, if the right opportunity presents itself. But you know, they're, they're very mindful of the uh, the salary cap and where they're at in regard to that. Uh, they do have the 14th pick in the draft. Uh, I think they are probably going to try and find. Uh, some three-point shooting somewhere along the way, probably with that first-round draft choice. Um, you know, the draft is on the 22nd, I believe, four weeks from tonight. So, you know, things will start to, to pick up news-wise. Really, when the, the finals end, they don't begin till next Thursday. And then as we get closer to draft night, uh, we'll start hearing a little more about the Pelicans. But I think it's going to be a relatively quiet offseason season. They want to add some outside shooting, maybe uh, add a veteran, not a, a, a real high-priced veteran, but a veteran uh, in free agency somewhere along the way. And, um, you know, assuming Jackson Hayes leaves in free agency, you know, I think they'll probably be looking to shore up uh, the, the the four and five spots um, one way or another. So, you know, there'll be a little bit of activity, but I wouldn't expect them to make a lot of big splashes here during the off season because, you know, if everybody's healthy, they they feel pretty good about the the roster they have, and most of the guys are young. Well, Les, there was a slight chance that the Pelicans could move up in in the lottery and end up with one of those more coveted picks, of course, particularly the number one pick that now we know. Uh, Victor Wembayana likely going to San Antonio, but with the 14th overall pick in the draft, do you see the Pelicans interested in using that at this point, or do you think maybe that's something they package away, or just way too early to tell on something like that? Yeah, I think it's too early to tell. Certainly, they, they're going to listen to opportunities that are out there. I, I don't know that they're necessarily necessarily looking to move the pick. But I think they would be open to doing that for the right offer. I, I would guess that the most likely thing right now is that they would stay put uh, at 14 and just utilize the pick. But, uh, you know, the, the, a lot of trades happen on draft night uh, in the NBA. And I, I think the, the Pelicans will do their due diligence and, and talk to anyone who wants to talk. But uh, I would guess that the most likely thing is that they wind up utilizing that 14 pick themselves. Well, Les, we appreciate you keeping us up to speed on everything New Orleans professional sports related. Um, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves. Just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though, wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana's sports station. Oh, welcome back to RP3 and company right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station. We are broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Just a reminder that Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Coming up less than 10 minutes from right now, Corey Diaz from the Daily Advertiser. We're going to talk all things Raging Cajun. Baseball team last night opened up Sunbelt Conference tournament play with a convincing sound victory over Texas State. Fourth time they beat the Bobcats this season. Actually, fourth time they beat the Bobcats in the last couple weeks. Good start to the conference tournament for them, but it's only going to get tougher as Matt Deggs' squad will have to take on the top seed, the regular season champs, Coastal Carolina, a.k.a. the Angry Sea Roosters. That'll be tonight, 7.30, first pitch. Do you like sea roosters or beach chickens better for Coastal? See, Angry Sea Roosters sounds a little bit tougher, but if we want to go back to the Sunbelt Conference Championship game that inexplicably got canceled at the last minute. You know, your boy had tickets and travel plans and a whole situation lined up for that. That was a that was heartbreak. Did you get reimbursed for your flight? Because I didn't. Uh, we were driving for mine. We were driving. I had it was I was we were off completely, so I was going to drive up a couple days before, uh, <laughs> make the road trip. Couple of buddies were all in, not even uh, Cajun alumni, just guys who wanted to be a part of something special. But no, the the and the no. hotel was like in this like amusement park area with like all these Dave and Buzz, all these crazy, like it was on the you know on a lake because yeah. we had gotten a great deal, hotel points, whole thing. It was heartbreak. It was, it was tough. Did get reimbursed for everything, but you know. Yeah, uh, I had to eat my flight. We were supposed to go. Kevin and I were going to be on the same flight the next morning, flying out that Friday. Had guest hosts lined up for that Friday for both RP3 and company and footnotes. And then we get the notification right around like 1130, if I remember it. And I was asleep. And thankfully, I woke up because my phone kept going off because people were trying to let me know, dude, dude. <laughs> and thankfully, I woke up around 1.30 and was like, there it is. No, yeah, we there were, we were going to leave at about 5, 6 in the morning the next night or the next morning. And so, you know, I saw We had a produced television special made already done with Kevin and I, the whole nine yards. Had the flight, had the hotel, the whole nine yards. All raring to go to go cover the Sunbelt Conference Championship game. And then the, uh, what would you, I say angry sea rooster, you say beach chicken. I think I like to go with the beach chicken moving forward. I think I, I just like how that sounds. And it works on so many different levels. <laughs> I will give 
Jamie credit. He came on to my show at Sunbelt Conference Media Days the next year. And he, he, he knew it. He made a joke. He says, oh, you're not going to be very popular after this interview. <laughs> I was now like, the coach of the Liberty Flames, Jamie Chadwell. Yeah. I thought for sure what's-his-face Grayson would have gone with them or would have gone elsewhere, but he decided to stay put. He's coming back for another year to play for the Chanticleers. I was a little surprised by that, especially as close as he was with uh, Jamie. Yeah, that was a little surprising. There were some rumors, too, about different reasons of why, because he had you know entered the portal and everything else. But um, Sunbelt's scheduling rotations haven't really gotten that one right, that the Cajuns haven't <sighs> played him since. And, I, you know, look, if both make the conference title game, then maybe this is the year. But uh, I think They had the opportunity to put him in a bowl game. Yeah, oh, then that was a nice controversy, of course. Yeah, yeah oh, they, I remember it yeah, all. Yeah, they, okay. they, they didn't do that one as well. Yeah, that should be because... You have such a great lightning uh, um, a moment, right? Uh, a lightning rod moment for both programs. Don't you think you would try to build upon that? Well, I mean, I, the reasoning behind it is is what happened was that was, you know, it coincided with that being a rotational year because they did play in the regular season that year, right? And then, so that's the one year. Then they don't play the next couple of years. Then the conference expands, so everything kind of gets reset. Correct. But yeah, you know, it feels like maybe you could have found a way to make that game happen once in the last four years you know <laughs> you, you think you would be able to do so but we are wrong we are wrong poll question of the day we asked you what impressed you the most about yesterday's slate of conference baseball tournaments for our area teams lsu louisiana and of course mcneese and 54 percent of you have casted your vote saying lsu's pitching thatcher heard that was the best he's looked all year Jay Johnson gave him the ball and said, go out there. And he was really good, especially in the first three innings or so. Started to get away from him. But then Ackenhausen comes in and he does his job. And I was like, wow. LSU relievers actually pitching well. And that kind of sets up everything for the Tigers the rest of the way. We'll see who they throw this afternoon when they take on Arkansas. They win today. They automatically advance to the semifinals on Saturday, get a day off on Friday. We'll have that game for you live from the Met in Hoover this afternoon. Pre-game will begin at 4 o'clock. First pitch, 4.30, which means no crunch time with Miguez and Mesh because of LSU baseball. Right now, 54% of you do say LSU's pitching. 41% say Cajuns pitching in their win against Texas State. 5% say other no votes for McNeese battling it out with Nichols for 14 innings. And no, I did not stay around for the end of that game. <laughs> I went to the game early, stayed. They were in a delay. I stayed for a couple innings, came home, watched the rest of the game on the plus until I got to the point where I was like, I'm, I, I literally – fell asleep with my laptop in my lap in my recliner. And my wife's like, it's time to go to bed. So I woke up and I sent a message to everyone in the text thread. I'm calling it a night. I will just finish the story in the morning. And done. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. Who that forever comments, most complete game LSU's played all year in a game that Skeens doesn't start outside of half an inning. They were incredible. Look, if you can get this type of performance... From these guys to eat up three, four, five, six innings for you? Uh, that's going to 
cure a lot of your ails, I would still say do not allow Christian Little to touch the ball in any scenario possible. Just saying. Because he has been awful. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll talk all things Raging Cajuns with our guy Corey Diaz from the Daily Advertiser. That's next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company right here on The Game. I'm your big, bald, and beautiful host, Raymond Parts III. Of course, I'm joined inside the FCO Development Studios by the producer extraordinaire, Mr. Dawson Iserlow. Whew, we've had a good show so far today. Borderline great. But you know what's going to put us over the top, D-Lo? Do you have any idea what's going to make this show go from being good, very good, to tremendous? Probably catching up on all things Raging Cajuns with our guy, Corey Diaz. Yes, that's who we're going to speak to right now from the Daily Advertiser, our guy, Corey Diaz. Good morning, Corey. How are you? Well, RP3, with that introduction, I thought you were bringing on someone else in front of me. (laughs) This man always sells himself short. Always, always very humble, and we appreciate you for that, my friend. All right, bud. Let's start off with last night's game. Great opening statement for the conference tournament for the defending tournament champs as they get a great pitching performance on the bump and they get some timely hits. Give me your thoughts and your takeaways from the win over Texas State. Well, yeah, I mean, it it starts, you know, I think it starts with Jackson Neza on the mound last night, right? I mean, this is, uh, you know, for, for the better part of what, two months, right? Uh, this is a pitching staff who, you know, dealt with a, you know, its fair share of, of injuries and, um, you know, it dealt with its fair share of, of, of guys just trying to, you know, rediscover themselves on the mound, what they could bring to, to the staff and to the team. Um, you know, so for, for UL coming into this thing, you know, to have any shot to repeat or, or to have any shot to, um, you know, get to the weekend, you know, it was going to need some, it was going to need somebody in the pitching staff to step up. And, and Jackson last night was, uh, I, look, I know he had, I know he had four walks last night, um, but didn't give up a hit, nine strikeouts. He went five and two thirds. Um, you know, now he threw, I think it was 119 pitches, which is, you know, probably a number that Dex probably doesn't like to see up there. But uh, but you have to start with him last night with with how big um, just his performance was. You know, I think it allowed uh, obviously with him not giving up any hits, of course. You know, it just allowed the offense to kind of you know settle themselves you know into the game because I thought Levi Wells from Texas State the first four innings three or three plus right was he was dealing himself. He struck out seven of the first twelve. Um, you know, and then John Taylor comes up and hits three run bomb and it goes from a pitcher's duel to, uh, you know, the, the Cajuns pretty much had control from there. So yeah, so like, it's like you said too, RP three, I mean, it was, 
kind of got those timely hits. Uh, first couple of innings, they were getting some two-out base knocks, but they needed to get something going a little earlier in the innings, and, and there in that full bottom of the fourth was, was kind of when they, they opened, the, opened the can there and, and kind of got things going a little earlier than, than say, those two-out hits. So um, it's going to be it, – it's the it's – the, the good good enough performance that I think that there will be some momentum, there will be some confidence heading into tonight against Coastal, uh, which, you know, against that team, you know, you, you need those kinds of things. So they make a, a great opening statement. They get the timely hits, as you mentioned. And, you know, Carson played well as as well. How do you feel about this team's confidence at the plate? I mean, you know, we focused on the pitching and how it's kind of come into form, but a lot of these guys that had been kind of underperforming or, or not up to their own potential have seemingly in the last week or so started to kind of hit their stride. How key is that going to be for them the rest of the way in this conference tournament? <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, look, you – you got to score at least one run to win, right? You got to hold them to zero, and you got to score at least one. Look, uh, for, and, and I'm not necessarily sure, you know, kind of what you know, maybe Carson Rockford would attribute to his just kind of, you know, uh, I guess ebbs and flows that he's experienced this year. Um, I, I just don't think he hasn't he hasn't really quite hit to the level that he hit last year, um, in my opinion. Um, but. Anytime in these base, well, they're not necessarily in a, a sudden death situation just yet. Um, but you know, in the in the postseason, you know, when you can when you can see yourself getting you know two run RBIs, you know, or two run doubles, uh, you know, really just contributing and and producing for the team in, in those situations. I mean, um, you know, you got to think it's going to do wells for um, you know a guy's confidence, and, and I think Carson is a guy that's going to be really key. Um, you know, if they're going to repeat, which I, I I personally believe that the only way Louisiana gets back to the NCAA tournament is they're going to have to win the conference tournament this weekend. Um, you know, and and it's got to start tonight. You know, if Carson Rockport can get a couple of hits against Coastal tonight, you know, right in front of him in the lineup, you got Kyle DeBarge, who I think is probably swinging the hottest bat on the team right now. Max Marshock's had a really great last month plus of the season. You know, good enough to where Deggs has kind of moved him, you know, into the leadoff spot. And, um, you know, then you got Julian Brock there who can hit four. He hit in the five hole last night, which I thought was a pretty pretty nice little move there. And I think it kind of took a little bit of the pressure off of Julian, too. And and then he come through late with the with the big base hit last night. So, um you know these these guys are going to have to produce. Um, obviously, they they've played enough baseball. You know, uh, I think they're in the middle of the lineup. I think Dex will will take his guys over anybody, especially in terms of the the level of experience that they have and and kind of where they um, where they project. Right, the next level. I mean, Julian Brock's going to be a major league catcher in a few years. You know, I think Carson Rockleford. I think he's a major league guy as well. So. Um, you know, you, you like those guys. And so it's just now it's just going out there and being who you are and producing. Well, Corey, we go from one team that's fighting to get into a regional to the other that just got finished winning a regional, the L, uh, the UL softball team going into Baton Rouge, beating LSU twice on Sunday. Um, that game and, and both those games certainly had their fair share of drama, and um, it was pretty incredible to watch what Coach Glasgow's team did. What did you make of that overall weekend and then specifically what they were able to do on Sunday? Yeah, look, I, I, th- I think, you know, look, I, I think it was, I think this is all about Sunday. I, I think what, 
what UL softball accomplishes from here on out, I think it all will revert back to sweeping LSU on Sunday in, in the regional final to get to the Supers. Um, you know, and we, you know, we spent some time with, with some of the players yesterday after practice. And, uh, you know, I asked Sam Landry, I said, you know, would it, would it have been better for this team, you know, going into Supers, um, you know, had it say it won the first game against LSU on Saturday um, and be in the winner's bracket, or is it better for this team to go into Supers up in Seattle, having to have won, needing to have won two games against LSU on Sunday, uh, you know, to basically fight for that spot? And she said, oh, without question, beating LSU twice on Sunday is, was, is the far and away the best thing that this team could have asked for. Um, it, it's huge. Uh, you know, LSU was, was a national 10 seed. Uh, you're not a national 10 seed if you're not any good. Uh, I thought LSU has a really good lineup. Uh, they they have they have they have ladies that can do multiple things at, at different spots. You know, I, their leadoff hitter is, is not necessarily known for you know stealing bases and, and slapping. You know, like most leadoff hitters in softball are. You know, she she can bring a little punch to the you know to the plate and and um, so you have to kind of when you're pitching against them, you kind of have to you got to hit your spots. You got to command the zone and and uh, you have to be, really be assertive um, and. Um, and then when you talk about performances like freshman uh, Chloe Riasetto, you know, coming in and shutting down that kind of offense, I mean, uh, I think from a pitching staff right now, I'm, I'm not sure if if their confidence in one through four or even one through five, for that matter, has been stronger than it is right now. And so going into a super regional against a really good, you know, offense that they'll see in Washington, you need that. Um, and I think that. These are going to be two offenses uh, up in Seattle that we'll see. There's going to be a lot of runs scored this weekend, I believe. Um, and and quite frankly, you know, as I've talked about with several other people before over the last few weeks, you know, normally for you know for Lafayette, you know, they like to, you know, they have good strong pitching performances and can uh, really shut you down. But this this team's built in a in a variety of ways. You know, they can beat you. You know, in a one nothing game like we saw against Marshall in the Sun Belt Conference Tournament Championship game, but they can also beat you nine to eight that we saw. You know, just this last weekend. So, um, I think that versatility and how this team can win games is going to be huge for it. And I personally think they get. It might take three games this weekend, but I think UL wins. I think they get back to the uh, Women's College World Series. Well, when what's let's talk about a little bit of that challenge of going to Seattle because there was obviously a point in time where everybody in Acadiana thought they were hosting Super Regionals when McNeese has a 6 nothing lead. But that Washington team, you know, just absolutely storms back in the seventh inning, and now you're shifting gears and talking about flights and going over to the Pacific Northwest. So uh, it sounds like from your prediction there that you think this team is fully capable of, of handling a, a long road trip like that. Yeah, for sure. You know, that was another thing that, um, you know, we asked some of the ladies yesterday was, um, you know, having already been on the road, you know, this postseason, uh, how does that help? You know, how does that, um, especially from like a logistical standpoint, right? I mean, you get to a point now, you know, in the year where, um, you know, you've been on a few roaches, you know, they've probably taken a, a flight or two during the regular season, right? You know, some of these, <laughs> you know, there's there's some long road trips. Um, in conference, you know, and so, um, you know, I don't think that 
you know, this is a situation where, you know, some of the logistics is going to get in the way of this team's performance. I think they've, I think they've done this before already and, and they're not, they're not worried about that. You know, I think now for them, it's really more about, you know, performance and how they feel they can perform on the field. And, and I think this team is, is, is as hot as any of them in the country right now. And I think they're as confident as just about any team, maybe outside of, you know, say in Oklahoma, right. Who a lot of people are saying is the greatest team ever, you know, in college softball. So, um, but, you know, I, I think this team with the way, some of the the young players have performed, um, you know, in the Sun Belt Conference tournament in in uh, regionals last week. I mean, um, I think Jerry and his staff they feel great about anybody that they put on the field right now. And I think there's 14 or 15 players that they truthfully believe can go out there and contribute to this team. And uh, you know, that's a really big number, and that's a number that I feel like Phil is is more than capable of powering team to you know the Women's College World Series. Corey, we'll get you out of here with this. At this time next week, after the holiday weekend, will we still have Raging Cajun teams playing games? After the, after this coming weekend? After this weekend, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I think we'll have one uh, for sure. Um, or I'll say for sure. Uh, my personal opinion is we'll – there will be one, and I do believe it'll be the softball team. The baseball team, man, it, I just – and it, for me personally, it's been this way all season long. I, I don't know, man. I don't, have, I don't have the right level of confidence in them. Um, you know, they, they're, they're coming into postseason with a, with a low 60s RPI. To me, that kind of tells the tale kind of how this season has gone for them. Yeah, they've got a win over LSU in a midweek, and – but they also have head scratching losses like a sweep at James Madison. Uh, it, it, I haven't been able to figure them out all year long, man. And, and I, my my level of confidence in them has, has never been high enough to where I felt, you know, that I could, you know, walk into a, you know, a sports betting place and, and put some money down on them or something. They just they they've been very Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde for me. And um, you know, now if they win tonight against Coastal. Um, you know, maybe that changes the way I feel about them a little bit. But you know, then they're going to have to get through probably say a Southern Miss, you know, on Sat or on Friday. So um, Sun Belt, the Sun Belt Conference man is is, is packed. You know, they're they're going to get they're going to get three teams in. They're going to get Coastal, who's probably going to host, probably be good enough to be a top eight seed and, and be able to host the Super if they get past their regional. Coastal, Southern Miss, Troy's in. I think I don't think there's a doubt Troy's in as an at large. Um, and so, I mean, it's a, it's a really deep league this year. It's probably the deepest it's ever been, you know, and, and you, you have to credit, you know, Keith Gill at the conference, right, for, for going out and, and, and convincing Southern Miss and, and, you know, Marshall coming into this league because Southern Miss, especially from a baseball standpoint, just really strengthened, um, really strengthened the Sun Belt overall. So, um, you know, I, I don't know, man. I just don't feel confident enough in the baseball team to be playing after this weekend. Um, but, you know, that's why I come on your show, Raymond, and, and, and talk all this because they'll probably prove me wrong. <laughs> well, Bud, uh, we always have confidence in your ability to come on this show and deliver the goods. Thank you once again for doing so, Bud. Appreciate you, brother. Y'all take care. 
This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, everyone is apparently part of the game family. Brother, 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 brother. Seriously, how many brothers does Ray have? Good morning to you, brother. Back to Ray and all of his brothers right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, let's take a moment to thank our guests. They came and delivered the goods. They were able to handle pressure questions from both yours truly, the big, bald, and beautiful one, and the producer extraordinaire, Dawson Isolo. So shout out to Les East of ChristensCitySports.com and Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser. We grilled them, and they rose to the occasion. Did they not, Dilo? Certainly. <laughs> we asked a poll question of the day. What impressed you the most about yesterday's slate of conference tournament action? Was it LSU's pitching? They got some good, two really good performances. Surprising performances. Was it the Cajuns pitching? They were dominant. Was it McNeese battling it out but falling in 14 innings to Nichols, the top seed of the conference tournament? Or was it other? 52% of you say LSU's pitching. 44% say Cajuns pitching. 4% of you say other mr green has a comment that we'll share with you before we sign off he says man i hate that i have to say lsu but they did what they haven't done all season pitched well by the way panthers swept the carolina hurricanes while the golden knights have an opportunity to do the same to the dallas stars tonight i know you love hockey rp3 and there is our hockey talk for today's edition of rp3 and company courtesy of our guy jamie aka mr green enjoy your summer Mr. Green, now that school is out, <laughs> get some relaxation. How do you think we fared today, D'Lo? Give me your honest assessment. Uh, B plus. B plus. B plus. Could have been better. Certainly. Uh, obviously. obviously. Always striving for perfection. We don't reach perfection, but we continue to strive to be as perfect well, as possible. Much like LSU, we saved our ace for game two. So we, we got oh. through game one. Now we'll see what we come back with. Tomorrow. tomorrow yeah. We'll close out the week. We'll recap all the conference tournament baseball action for McNeese, LSU, and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. We'll do that for you. We'll talk Houston Astros baseball with James Yasko from the Lima Time Time podcast. And we'll also talk with a man who's on the Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen in not only LSU history, but Louisiana's history, the Pro Football Hall of Famer. Kevin Mawai will be joining us for a special conversation. That's all on tap tomorrow. But for the producer extraordinaire, Dawson Iserlo, I'm Raymond Parse third. Until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.